Well, y'all, it's time to dive into the message this morning. If you have not been with us, uh, let me catch you up to where we're at. We're in the middle of a series called When God Doesn't Make Sense. Uh, when God doesn't make sense. How many of you would say in your life, you've experienced a time when what God was allowing to happen or what God was doing or maybe what God was asking you to do just did not make sense? Amen, me too. And when you're going through those times, it's really, really tough, amen? And so what we're talking about is in your life, when you're having to go through something or you're hearing something or you're knowing something that doesn't make sense, how do you deal with that? And we've been studying in the Bible, in the book of Hosea, if you have your Bible and you want to turn with me to the book of Hosea, the things that God asked Hosea to do that just don't make any sense whatsoever. And so if you're taking notes, uh, the, the, um, uh, the first scripture that I want to give to you, in fact, why don't we just pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today as you're turning in your Bible to Hosea chapter one. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And Lord, I just ask God that you would have a word for every person in here today. Lord, that you would use me as a vessel, that it wouldn't be Josh speaking, but it would be your Holy Spirit speaking through me to encourage, to convict, to do whatever it is that you're wanting to do in the lives of your people today. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you. In your precious name I pray, amen. Hosea chapter one, verse two is the very first thing that we see that he asked Hosea to do that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And here's what he says. It says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So he asked him to do something that makes absolutely no sense. If one of your friends came up to you and said, hey, bro, the Lord asked me to marry a prostitute, you would think he's absolutely out of there. He's nuts, right? That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. That's not. God would not ask you to get into a relationship with a prostitute. That's stupid. That would be your very first thought to tell that person. But this is exactly what Hosea is asked to do by God. So week number one, we talked about where we're going through every, every message has a title and it's one word. It's a question that we're answering. Week number one was the question of what? When you get that like, Lord, you're asking me to do What? It's like the initial shock. Anybody ever been there? Like, you, huh? Come again? You're asking me to do what? That's the, the, the question that we answered week number one. And the points that I gave you was when you get to that season that you're like, Lord, you want me to do what? The best things that you can do is number one, accept the season, no matter how hard it is. Number two, embrace that season. Don't just accept it, embrace it. It's tough. You're gonna make it through it. You're gonna be, and you're gonna have more faith and you're gonna grow and you're gonna get mature. So accept the season, embrace the season and then commit to God to be used in that season. Listen, it doesn't matter how hard things are going. God wants to use you in every season that you go through. So commit to be used in every season. So my, my water's freezing up and the pipes are bur bursting and I don't have electricity. How does God want to use me through that? He does. So how can God use you in the season that you're in? The what question. Last week, Pastor Jordan brought a phenomenal message dealing with the how question. I watched the message on the way home and I just want to say, y'all, what a fantastic job. 
We have a group of just fantastic pastors. I, didn't, I wasn't here and I wasn't even worried about anything. The way that he preached that message with Brian in the background and the, the worship music going on, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. Pastor Jordan, wherever you're at, thank you. Great job. That's fantastic. So he dealt with how do we deal with the things in our life? The how question, how do we deal? And his points were recognize the greatness of our God. Does anybody serve a great God? And when he talked about his greatness, he talked about his magnitude and his goodness. Number two was seek contentment and not comfort. Oh, man. Story of this week. Seek contentment and not comfort. And then number three was to let him reign. No matter what's going on, no matter how uncomfortable you are, no matter how much your season stinks, let God reign in that season. Somebody say amen. And it was a wonderful message. If you have not um, listened to those and you want to check them out, they're on our Facebook, YouTube, all the different things. I don't know. Uh, so today, y'all, I'm, I'm diving into this morning and I'm really, really pumped. Today we're dealing with this question again, question mark. The question again. You ever think in your mind that you are past a certain situation or you've passed this hard season, it stunk, it was hard, but you're past it, you got this breath of fresh air, and then boom, you're dealing with it again. Anybody ever been there? Listen, this week was the again week, and I'm using this week to preach to you today, because this week stunk. Let me share with you a little bit about what my week looked like this week. I know your week was probably twice as hard as mine, but I, you know, I'm just going to share it with you because it stunk. Okay, so Monday, we come home Sunday night. We get our kids. We go home. You know, we're experiencing all of the snow, and everybody's like, yes, it's snowing again, and I hate snow, so I wasn't like, yes, it's snowing again. I'm like, oh, this stinks. I hate snow. Snow makes the house muddy and nasty, and it's in this snow, you couldn't even make a snowman because it was just all powder. It was, I mean, there was nothing good about this snow. It was pretty, but that was it. And so we're experiencing all of this, and then boom, we're hearing, oh, we're going to get like four degrees weather. Well, Texas is not ready for four degrees weather. So I come to the church, and we're like, Dad's wrapping up all the pipes, and we're dripping water and pouring it everywhere. And we're like, okay, we got to save the church so we can have church Sunday and, and you know, all the different things. So, so Tuesday night, Tuesday night, I'm coming up to the church to check everything, make sure that we're good. Tuesday, it's like iced over on the streets, driving out here. And I get this text message. And this was my start to the week. Monday was not the start to the week. Tuesday was the start to the week. I get this text message from Pastor Jordan. And he says, hey, man, uh, I think that maybe I got a busted pipe under my house because I can hear water spraying. I was like, okay, good. So that's number one. So I run over here to Jordan's house and sure enough, one of the, the pipes from his tub had, had exploded and he's got water shooting everywhere. So I run out there and I turn off his water meter and I'm like, hey bro, I'm sorry, but there's like uh, snow and ice everywhere. I'm not dealing with this right now. I'm gonna go to my office and check the church and all the things and study for a little while. And then, you know, we'll check on all this when the snow's gone. He's like, okay. So then I, uh, I get over to the church and I unlock the door. It's like 7.15. I walk into my office. And I show, show the picture in my office. So I walk into my office. This is the very first thing that I see in my office is this water creeping. And it's moving pretty rapidly into my office. And I was like, oh, no. Everybody say, again? And so I see this in my office and then I'm like, okay, there's no water anywhere near my office. Where's this water coming from? So I run around and I go into the, did anybody notice the big hole in the ladies' bathroom today? 
You know, a couple of y'all, yeah. My sister said she was sitting and she felt this breeze and she was like, what in the world is this breeze going on in here? She looks back and there's a big hole in the sheetrock. And uh, so, so we had this, and she showed the video. Uh, with, this is what happened. I thank God though that that exploded through the wall because I'd have never found that pipe. I'd have had to tear the whole wall out. And so we, that was number one that I got to deal with. And so I was like, oh snap, I already got one water meter off. Let me go turn this water meter off. So I turn off the water meter. I get some shop backs and I start sucking all this water up and I get my, my office good. And then I get the, uh, the, the ladies bathrooms pretty dry. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to drive around the church and grab some blowers so that the wall doesn't get completely messed up. I'm just going to blow it all in there. So I come around and I get to about here and right back here, there's a trailer house that has some blowers in it. So I get right back to here and I'm just kind of piddling around and I look over at the sanctuary and there's literally water pouring out of the back of the sanctuary. And so I look, and then I acted like I didn't see it. And then I look back, and boom, it's still there. And I was like, oh, God. And so everybody say, again. So then I whip my car over, and I come around, and I get into the sanctuary, and this is what I get to see in the sanctuary. Oh, yeah, that one stunk. Go to the next one. These back rooms back here were all underwater. We had about two and a half inches of water under the stage. Y'all, this was 8 p.m. And so I take these two pictures and I send them to our staff. And I was like, yo, we got a little bit of a problem. And, uh, and you know what I got from our staff? Here's what I got. I'm on my way. I'm grabbing my shop back. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I'm grabbing my shot back. And then I, I uh, Escalito and Maddie came and I text my dad and my dad was like, I'm on my way. I'm grabbing my shot back. And so all of these people come up and Escalito's under the stage and he's like, man, I really wish we had David Snyder's machine. I was like, what machine? He's like, oh, he's got a machine that'll suck this up way better than a, than a shop back. So I called David. It's like 8.30 and the roads are horrible. And David loads up his machine in the back of the truck and he brings it to me. And we're sucking up water everywhere. We got tons of people underneath the stage. Y'all, when we pulled out this, this uh, show the pictures of the staff uh, playing. Because that's what, they, that's what we do when we get together is we play. And there's one more picture. I think maybe, maybe not. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So we're sucking up all this water. When we pulled this subwoofer out, we turned it up. Water just poured out of the speaker. We were like, oh man, we got big problems. And so we start drying all this stuff. Y'all, we worked until about 1230, getting all the water off of the carpet, getting all of the, Andrew is the real MVP, y'all. Let me just say, Andrew, the media tech guy that are supposed, usually your media guys are not really the hardworking guys, they're the brainiacs. But Andrew stayed under this stage for like three and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah, if you came and you helped, I just want to say thank you. I did not send it out to our church, mostly because I didn't want you driving on the roads at that time. They were pretty bad, and Texas people usually don't know how to drive during that time. So, uh, so anyways, so we got all of this cleaned up. It's 1230. We got the blowers, and we're putting the blowers on it. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to take my family home. My kids, they were all sucking up water. And I'm going to take my family home and drop them off. And I drop them off at home, and we come back over here, and it's 2 in the morning, and I'm moving around the blowers. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a two-hour nap. And, uh, and then I'm going to get up and make sure that the blowers are good, see if anything else is. So I take a two-hour nap. It's 4.05 in the morning. And I get up and I come in here and everything's looking pretty good. And I'm like, all right, okay, breath of fresh air. We got past this. We can get this done. So then I'm walking around and I get over by the kitchen, y'all. And I hear this like, it sounds like it's raining in the building. I was like, what in the cat hair is going on? And uh, so I open up our electrical closet. 
And I look in our electrical closet, and this is, this is what's going on in our electrical closet. It's raining in our breaker boxes. It's raining all over our, all of our stuff. And so then I'm like, oh, electric and water. This is, this, I mean, it couldn't get any better than this. So I start, I like grab my drill and I start pulling stuff off the walls. And as I'm pulling stuff off the walls, I set something down outside and I hear this uh, boom. And then I look up and there's sparks going up in the electrical room. So I'm just like, okay, no more electricity. Let's just shut that whole thing off. So we shut the electricity off. Now I can't do anything. I can't suck up water. I can't do anything. And so now I'm like, honestly, I'm standing in the hallway and the rain is now here. And it's just kind of, the rain moved from over there. And I'm like trying to figure out, I'm having church on Sunday. Now, how can I figure out how to have church on Sunday? Thank God that that electrical room doesn't control this or the blowers are still going. And uh, so I go and I sit in my, I put buckets all in the room to catch the water. And I go and I sit in my office and I'm like, again, really? And so uh, I called my dad. And I was like, hey, man, I, I don't, I, I, and he's like, let me just, let me come in the morning. We're going to, it's the valley. So let's shovel all the snow off the valley. We're going to dump hot water. We'll get it all fixed up. So the next morning we get in there. I didn't sleep at all. So I got two hours of sleep. And the next morning we get in there and we start shoveling it out. We get it to where it's not leaking anymore. We get the electricity back on very carefully. And, uh, and we get water blowing in the room. Listen, it just seemed like nothing was ever going to stop again. And again, and again, and again. And there are so many times, y'all, in our lives that's just like this. We thought that we had got past a certain season. We thought that we had got past this addiction that we used to have and we're supposed to no longer have it. We thought that we had got past these people that we had to deal with, this illness, you fill in the blank. We thought that we had got past this stuff. And then boom, it's right in our face again. And again, and again, you see, this is, this is what Hosea is dealing with in his story. Because what happens with Hosea in chapter one, God says, I want you to go and marry this prostitute. And I want you to give them all these horrible names, like you're not loved and all of these things. And so he marries this prostitute and he has these three kids with her. And he gives them these horrible names, not loved and not my people. And uh, Jezreel, which is uh, the murderous people that took place at Jezreel. And so he's got to name his kids all this. And then what happens is his wife goes, leaves him and goes back into prostitution. And so probably what I would have done Lord, you got me out of that situation. Amen. You made me marry her and you got her out of my life. I'll keep the kids and let her go. And then we get to chapter three, y'all. And in chapter three, God asked Hosea to do something that is mind boggling, unthinkable. Look with me at chapter three. In Hosea chapter three, verses one through three. It says, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Oh, snap. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and have to worship them. Verse two, so I bought her back. He couldn't just go get her. He had to buy her. I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. And then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. 
During this time, you will have sexual relations. You will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even me. You ain't getting none. <laughs> Can you imagine being Hosea, y'all? Having to go and do this? I got this wife that I didn't really want to have, but God told me to do it, so I did it. I fell in love with her. I had kids with her. And then she destroys our relationship by going out and getting back into prostitution. And now I got to get her back again. Man, y'all funny story about, um, you know, getting things in your life that you don't want and then getting rid of them and getting them back again. My, my father is, everybody knows, my, my father is not a dog person, right? Everybody knows that? He preached here for 20 years. Everybody knows he's not. A, he talks bad about dogs all the time. And so he's not a dog person. Uh, the, the fact that they poop and, you know, they, they, then you step in it and they drag out the trash and all the things. And the fact that they have a dog right now is like a miracle. Uh, my, that was my mom. She was she pulled the whatever card and, and got the dog. Uh, but my dad is not a dog person. So when I was a kid, we had this person in our church that wanted to do our family a favor. And so they gave us a dog. <laughs> And listen, life lesson number one, unless you know somebody want a do- wants a dog, don't give them a dog. I mean, if there's dog people and the, the people that don't have dogs, they don't have dogs for a reason. They're not dog people. And so they gave us a dog and um, dogs do what dogs do. And so what does this dog do? The dog tears up the trash and the dog poops all over the place and pees all over the place. And so what does dad do? Dad steps in the poop. And he cleans up the trash and he is dealing with this dog. And so he just decides, you know what? It's time for the dog to go. And so he loads up the dog in a vehicle and he drives a couple miles out of town and he throws the dog a bone and lets it jump out of the car and forgets about the dog and drives off. Now, before y'all judge him, I know some of y'all have done that with kids and women and, and all kind of stuff. So don't, don't judge him for dropping the dog off. And, so, and so, uh, so he drops off this dog and he comes home and he's done with the dog. Season is over and he's living life. The dog poop is gone. The, uh, the, the, the trash is no longer falling out of the trash can. And then he gets a phone call. He gets a phone call from the guy that gave him the dog. And he says to him, hey, I just want you to know who showed up at my house the other day. Your dog showed up at my house and and just don't worry about coming to get him. I'll bring him over later today. (laughs) You thought you got past the season. Everybody say again. Listen, here's the truth, y'all. There's lots of times in our lives where we get to that point where we're just We're asking God, really? Again? I thought it was over this. Again? Lord, it was getting easier. And now again? And we actually see this take place all through scripture. If you ever read Psalms, Psalms is filled with mostly David, but also other people that are falling into temptation and doing stupid things and failing and failing and failing over and over again. Why? Because they're people and people fail. And so what Psalms is, is Psalms is them pouring out their heart to God again. I'm here again. I was stupid again. I'm having to confess again. And so Psalms chapter six is one of those I want to share with you. This is King David. 
And this is him pouring out his heart. Verses two through seven says this. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I'm weak. Anybody ever feel that way? Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Y'all, I got that problem going on right now. It's hurting. My bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O oh Lord, until you restore me? Return, O oh Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. For the dead do not remember you. Who can praise you from the grave? I am worn out from sobbing. All night, I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of my enemies. Anybody ever been there? Feel that way like David? So when we talk about this subject of again, I'm having to deal with this again. There's one word that really comes to my mind. And that word is what I want to preach to you about this morning. That was all my intro. And I'm going to start preaching. I want to preach to you. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about perseverance. And talk about a week to talk about perseverance. And I want to give you some scriptures from who I call the king of perseverance. Y'all know who the king of perseverance is in the Bible? When you look through the Bible, the king of perseverance, in my opinion, is a guy named Apostle Paul. Now, why is he the king of perseverance? Yeah, anybody ever read about Paul? So Paul was beaten three times. He was stoned to death and got out of it. He shipwrecked three times. He was thrown in prison multiple times. If anybody had any right to complain and say, really, God, again? It was the Apostle Paul. And at this point in his life, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians. And at this point, he is just overwhelmed, y'all. He's overwhelmed with all of the different things that have taken place. He's now overwhelmed because he planted this church in Corinth and now the church is going way out in left field and the church is coming against him and the church is, he's disappointed in them. The church is telling lies about him. People in the church are telling lies about him and saying that he's a false teacher and rejecting his authority. And so it was in this instant that he writes this letter and let's see what he says to the people in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Y'all, this is good. You want to mark this in your Bible. It says, we are pressed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 18. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. Man, can you imagine? But this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach. Because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us up with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Stay with me. Now we're getting to the good part. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, can you think for just a minute about who's saying this? Paul, 
I get beat to death and I still live. I get stoned and I still live. I get shipwrecked and I still live. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. There's so many lessons that we could dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and learn. But I want to share with you three, three lessons to help us to persevere that we get from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. When you're going through that same thing over and over again, when things don't make sense, how do I persevere? Number one is this. Hold on to your assurance. Hold on to what you're sure of. Here's what Paul says. Stay with me. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. You know, I know this sounds so cliche, because any and everybody that ever preaches a message says this. But when you are facing things again and again and again, and things are not making sense, and you are finding yourself in a place where you feel like you have no assurances in your life, then the best thing that you can turn to is to things that are sure. And the thing that I turn to that is the thing that is sure is the word of God. And so when you turn to the word of God, God has so many promises in his word. And this morning, you can be sure, you may not can be sure of your mom's promises or your dad's promises or if you're Hosea, your spouse's promises or your kid's promises, but you can be sure of God's promises. And I want to share a few of those promises with you this morning. God gives us promises of guidance and help. Promises about our salvation, promises of wisdom and peace and joy and things that we need this week. Promises of gaining riches in heaven, being adopted into his family, strength and power and faithfulness and provision, deliverance from our enemies and danger and temptation, promises of healing and renewal and eternal life. Listen, God's promises, he promises, I will always be with you. I hold on to that. I will protect you. I will be your strength. I will provide for you. All of these things are promises found in scripture. So my question to you is what promises do you need to be standing on right now? What promises do you need to take to the bank? What promises do you need to be praying and proclaiming in your life and over your family and over your spouse and over your home and over your situation? Whatever that may be, Paul was holding on to the promise of eternal life. He says that he's holding on, he, the, the, the way that he's able to drive and keep going and able to push past and persevere in verse 16, he says that's why we never give up. It's because he says, I'm holding on to the promise that the Jesus that died and rose again is going to raise me back up. And because I know that he's going to raise me back up, I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to keep persevering and I'm going to get past everything. And everything that's going on right now is small. Whew. That's huge, y'all. Hold on to God. Hold on to his word. 
Hold on to his calling on your life. Hold on to his promises. Hold on to things that we can be sure of. Even though sometimes it feels like you can't be sure of anything. You can be sure of what God has to say. So here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. I want to encourage you to go home and write out the promises that you need to hold on to. The promises that you need to speak and proclaim over your family, over your life, over your kids, over your situation. And begin to pray and allow the power of God to move through his promises in your life and in your family. So number one, hold on to your assurance. Number two, get perspective. Listen, there is so much power in the way that you see things. There's so much power in your perspective. For example, when I was walking into the sanctuary and I saw all of this water, I had a pretty overwhelming perspective. <laughs> when I looked at this and looked at the work that needed to be done and um, was, was figuring out if I should even text our staff or not, um, my, that's my perspective, trying to figure all this out. But then Brian comes into the room and Brian has a totally different perspective. Let me show you his perspective. Y'all ready? Go ahead. This is how you walk, how you walk on water. One foot in front of the other. Never gonna let you go under. Just put one foot in front of the other. Oh, his perspective was a little bit different than mine. It also helped me gain a little bit of different perspective on where I was. I was overwhelmed. And then I went to a little bit of a different, uh, different perspective. But listen, the perspective that you have and the way that you see things, there's so much power in your perspective and how you view and how you look at the situations that you're going through. Amen. So here's what Paul says. He says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. This week, what drove me to keep pushing and keep going was my perspective, that my staff helped me to have the right perspective. I shared with you a little bit about Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday, it stunk. It was tough. It was long hours. I'm sure all of you had all of the same things this week. Then we get into Wednesday, I mean Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we start shoveling off the snow so we can dry out the panel room and get the lights and things back on. So that's going well. My dad comes up here and we're getting all that figured out. And then I'm like, if we're gonna have church on Sunday, we need water. There's lots of toilets. Toilets need water, amen? Otherwise the whole church is stinky. And so we need water. So I'm like, okay, I got to have bathrooms for Sunday morning. So I get the water uh, shut off thing. I, Kevin Strickland sends a couple of guys to fix the few things that we know is leaking. And so uh, they fix the things that we know is leaking. So I'm like, all right, Brian, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to turn the water on. You check all the bathrooms because I thought that that meter just ran the bathrooms. And so you check all the bathrooms, see if there's anything exploded anywhere. We're going we're gonna to move to the next thing. So I turn on the water and everything is going really well and the bathrooms are all running, nothing's frozen up and we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna have bathrooms for some, perspective is changing, baby. And then we walk into the sanctuary and we walk right back here and there's water pouring out into the carpet. Again. We don't have water. 
So I run out to the meter and I kick the meter back off and I'm like, really? You couldn't, you couldn't do me one? I mean, come on. So I called Keith because I already called Strickland. He already did me a big favor. I called Keith Barton. I was like, Keith, I really need a favor, man. We need bathrooms on Sunday. And he was like, yeah, that, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, I got a, a leak that I cannot find. I know that it's in this wall, but there's like mm, 40 feet of wall and I have no idea where the water's coming. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll be right there. And so he gets here and we turn the water on and it's spraying and we can hear it spraying in the wall and we can't find it. Can't find it anywhere. And so we're looking, we're looking. There's a big ant box back here. It's like 800,000 pounds. Okay, really, it's more like 1,500 pounds, but it, it was really, really, like you can't, five guys can't pick it up and move it. It's huge. And so we're, it just so happens that the leak is right behind that. Yeah, it's got electric all hooked up into it and everything. So we're like, oh, Lord. And so we, we get some two-by-fours and we start, we get, get it up and we put some two-by-fours on it and we start inching it across, inching it across and boom, we pull the electrical out of the wall and we lose the lights. Again. So we really need lights in that room to see the leak. And uh, so then I'm like, all right, Keith, um, what do you want to do? And he says, let me just cap this thing off up here. What he looked up there and he's like, let me do this, 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 and we'll get the lights back on. Okay. So we pulled the box out and I text Wes, Wes, please forgive me. Uh, screwed up your box that holds all the amps and everything. And he, uh, but, uh, yeah, anyways. So then, uh, so then we, we start working on that. We get the electrical back on and um, it's like, things are going well. We get that leak fixed. Okay. Then I go turn the water on. And about six feet over, psh, there's another leak. Really? Okay. All right. I'm not getting beat. I'm not getting stoned. I can do this. And so we turn the water back off, find that leak, boom, cap that leak, get that one fixed. And then we turn the water back on and there's not an again this time. And the water's flowing. We got water everywhere going. Bathrooms are working. Yes, but we don't have water in the kitchen because that water is hooked up to Jordan's house. So now we need to get under Jordan's house. Hey, Keith, there's snow all over the ground. I was wondering if maybe you wanted to help me get under Jordan's house and fix this pipe. What does he say? Why don't you let me get under? That's what he says. Why don't you let me get under the house? No, 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 let me get under the house. Let me go grab this. I come back and he's already under the house. Turn the water on. So we turn the water on and man, and Keith and Ken comes and Ken's up in the house and they're doing whatever it is that they're doing to fix the pipes and they fix the pipes. We turn the water on. Everything's good. We got water in the kitchen. We got water in the sanctuary area. We got water in the bathrooms. We can flush toilets. We can make food. We're good. We can have life. We can do this. And so, uh, so then a Friday comes and I text the staff and we're like, okay, we're coming in at 10. This place is an absolute disaster because we pulled everything out of every room and there was water all in here and there's blowers drying and there's just junk. We need to get everything clean. So I'm going through and I throw laundry in the, the, in the, in the washing machine and we start washing in the washing machine. And then I go and try to study because I haven't studied at all this week. Oh yeah, I got to preach Sunday. I forgot about that one. And so I go start trying to study. It's Friday morning. I usually study all throughout the week. And so I start trying to study and Hillary and Christy run into my office and say, hey, great news. Um, there's water coming all out of the laundry room, all into the gym. Really? 
Okay, so I go to the laundry room. We start dealing with what's going on in the laundry room. And this time it wasn't a pipe that busted. The drain had frozen over. And so all the water that was trying to drain out, it's just like shooting all over the laundry room. So then we fix that. We get good to go. And you know what? Listen, this week has stunk, y'all. It's been horrible for our whole staff. It's, It's been one of those weeks. It has not been great. But you know what has kept us going throughout the whole week? You know what our perspective was? Here was the perspective. We knew that everyone in this room probably had hell this week. And what we wanted to make sure is that we had a place where people could come and meet with Jesus. And however many leaks we had to clean up and however many pipes was going to bust and however however many breaker boxes we were going to have to dry out, we were going to find a way to have church. Because we knew that everyone was going to be coming in, having a tough, tough week. Your perspective can get you through so, so many things. Psalms chapter 30 and verse 5 says this. I love this verse. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Listen, I want to end this point with a challenge. Change your perspective. If your perspective is thrown off, if your focus is thrown off, change your perspective and get focused on the things that actually matter. Which brings me to point number three. Last point, and it's going to be brief. Prioritize what's important. Here's what Paul says. So we don't look at the troubles that we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Listen to me. I want to encourage you this morning. If you are sitting here and you are feeling attacked, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you feel like you just can't get past this certain thing. It just keeps coming back again and again and again. I want to encourage you with this. Your current issues are just for a season. It's not going to last forever. That's what the scripture tells us. And our job, your job, is to focus on the things that matter and focus on the things that are important. Don't focus on those things that aren't going to last forever. God will help you to move past those things and get past those things and mature through those things. Focus on the things that matter. Well, I failed again and I, 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 you know, I fell into this addiction again, addiction again or I, I sinned again or I was stupid again. Okay, so you're human. Let's move past that and focus on what matters. What matters is your eternity. What matters is your family. What matters is that you're doing what God has called you to do. Listen, about two and a half years ago, I had to completely restructure my focus. I listened to this podcast. It was called um, Working on What's Urgent or What's Important. And I found in my life that I work mostly on things that are urgent. The things that are important really get the last, get put on the back burner, like my family or my maturity as a believer and a Christian or things that really should be on the front burner. And so about two and a half years ago, I just decided to completely restructure where I spent my time, where I spent my money and where I spent my resources and focus on the things that matters most. So now where I put my time, my money and my resources, first of all, my God time comes first. Nobody can jack with my God time. I I don't, I don't let anyone. I, in fact, nobody even gets here 
during that time. It's 5.30 in the morning. You don't get many calls at 5.30 in the morning. And people don't jack with my God time. And so my God time comes first. My, my family is, is next. They, get, they didn't used to. But when I realize that they are the thing that I say is important, and yet I'm not giving them and showing them that they're important, then I had to restructure. So my family came next. And then after that, it was my health. I don't remember if y'all remember when I was getting all fat and nasty and, and, and I was not taking care of myself. And so I had to focus on my health. I want to be healthy, but I'm not, I'm not walking. I'm, you know, well, we're, anyways. Uh, so I decided to focus on my health. So I walk and I, I focus on my health, my calling that God gave me, my sermon preparation time, caring for our church family, reaching out to our community and developing myself. Those are the things that come first. Everything else comes after that. Maybe unless it's pipes busting, but then I'll spend God time while I'm sucking up the water. So I, I had to restructure. So what are you saying, pastor? I'm saying that it doesn't matter what season that you're going through or how many times you have to go through something over and over and over again. If you don't prioritize what is important, then you will not work on what is important. This is what Paul says. I got to focus on the things that are eternal and will last forever. Don't spend your life working and building things that are temporal things that are only of this world, focus on what matters. Amen? In closing, I want to invite our worship team to step out and come, with, come join me up on the stage and begin to play. Listen, my encouragement and my word for you today is this. As you're dealing with things in life over and over again, if God's not making sense, if you're wondering what? How? Again, let's persevere together. Let's move past the seasons that we're in together. Let's help each other get past our addictions and past our seasons and past all of the things that we have to go and go through. And we do that by holding on to our assurances, by getting the right perspective and by prioritizing what's most important. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Altar team, would you guys step out and come up to the front? If you're here this morning, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak to every person here right now. I ask that you would do your work. The message that you gave would just penetrate our hearts. As you're here this morning, if your week has been hell, maybe you thought that you were past some things and they just keep coming back again and again and again and it has you beat down and discouraged. Maybe you're here and you just need some encouragement from God. In just a minute as we begin to sing, I want to invite you to step out and come. Find a place at an altar to pray or find somebody that will pray with you. Maybe you're here Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know God. You haven't given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you just keep going back to this addiction or you keep going back to this pornography or you keep going back to this whatever it is and you want to break and get past that. Maybe you're here and you need prayer for something else. 
We're going to sing this last song this morning, waiting here for you. And if you're here and you want prayer from one of our altar team this morning, or if you're here and you want to find a place in the front where you can just love on God and allow him to minister to you right now, as we begin to sing this song, would you step out and would you come allow God to minister to you today? Allow our team to pray for you today. Come on right now.